Hi and welcome to the Unschooled Space, the podcast that's here to help parents embrace their personal journey into unschooling with all the joy and challenges it's likely to bring. Each episode I look at different aspects of unschooling and talk with other parents about their experiences. This is episode 19 and I'm your host, Esther Jones. My guest in this episode is Sarah Plathas, who lives in Boulder, Colorado with her husband and two children, who are three and five. Today we talk about what it means to really respect children as whole beings and how it actually looks to allow young children autonomy over many aspects of their day. And we discuss what that means for our own lives and how we can bring our full selves to the relationship, ensuring that gentle parenting doesn't also mean sacrificing our own needs and desires. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for your time today. It's lovely to have you here. Hi, Esther. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your family and how you came to unschooling. I'd love to. Well, right now I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Say the first thing to know is that I'm quite, I'm a mature person (laughs) with young, young children. Um, So that's a, that's a unique location of mine. Well, it's not unique. I have a lot of friends in that position, but it's different than four with an 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, so my three-year-old is named Talise, and she is a girl. Um, she likes to dance. She likes to... Her favorite thing right now is to do laps from the kitchen to the dining room wall. And sometimes they're prancing, and sometimes she gives herself obstacles and jumps over them. Sometimes she does a little twisty turn onto the couch. Um, but she takes it very seriously. And if anybody gets in the, her track, she's like, excuse me, you know, I'm really doing something here. <laughs> so that's lovely. Um, my older child is five. And right now it's a boy. <laughs> and his name, his given name is Arlo. And right now we're also still, again, calling him Arlo. Um, but when he was three, he decided to, well, he told us that he was a girl and he chose the name Callie, who is um, a girl cat on the animated show, Pete the Cat. She's Pete the Cat's best friend and she's all white and she's the singer in the band and very um, front and center. And at the time he was really struggling with relating to peers and feeling really overwhelmed. Yeah, so when he was three, he became Callie. And even now people from his play preschool, it's called a preschool, but it's really like a building where kids play with grownups around <laughs> and they center social, emotional well-being. It's a really lovely place, but people still from there still call him Callie. And a few people didn't know that he was assigned male at birth. Um, anyway, it's been a really fascinating journey. And since then, he's changed his name maybe five times. No, 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 15 times, I would say. And they've all been characters from, like, characters from shows mostly that he finds really attractive and interesting at the moment. Yeah, um, I'd love to talk about that a little bit more, but I'll move on from there and say, um, really, it was Arlo that gave us this iteration of unschooling. So I'm going to kind of back up and I'd love to contextualize what I mean by unschooling as a term and as a group of people. I would say it's extremely personal. 
what we mean when we say that and how we practice it and what values it reflects. So in my case, I define unschooling as a collaboration between adults and young people that is based on respect and trust and mutual aid. And the foundation is the understanding that every single person has inherently valid thoughts and emotions, regardless of age. And so I think of it um, as a human rights issue in my study of oppression, regardless of geography or heritage, the first oppression we all face is oppression of young people, the oppression that we felt and was laid into us as young people. And so as a parent of two young people, I really think of it as an opportunity to avoid that first oppression. Can I ask you, Sarah, is that something that you had clear before you had children? Well, I practiced co-counseling and co-counseling is, uses this idea that most of our kind of calcified patterns that we get to offload in order to reclaim our thinking happened when we were young. And so I was working with this idea a lot myself, like, okay, going way back, it's always like, what was the right. first thing you can remember about that? What was the first time you felt that? And I mean, I was going back to like six months old, you know, wanting to sleep with my parent or um, being one and wanting to con continue nursing um, ways that we didn't get listened to didn't get listened to is basically how it is, or we're actively told that the way we're being is not okay. So that was clear. Um, and so the emotional kind of framework was there, but I would definitely say that having my actual children and being in relationship with them has is a living organism that is honing my capacity to relate. Um, and as I do more personal work, continuing to do more personal work, I continue to have and as I continue to know them and genuinely trust them, more and more I feel able to bring my own full self to the relationship and break down in tears or, um, or be like, I'm feeling so mad. And or, I mean, the biggest one for me is I really need a break. I really need a break. I'm going to lay here and I don't want anyone on my body right now. Um, yeah, so that's, of course an evolving, alive uh, process. Yeah, so um, for example, Arlo had a really hard birth. Um, he got stuck and he had some head trauma and he came out white as a sheet and had to get breathed into so he didn't get to take that first breath. And so he cried for like the first three months. Some people would call it colic. I mean, people have different ideas. Um, and what... I felt like as he was really offloading how hard that birth was really like expressing it in his whole system. And I was there for that, but, um, I still worked. I had a full-time job. Um, I actually still have the same job, but I've rearranged my relationship with it. I'm a translator of Tibetan meditation materials in a committee. It's a great uh, foundation, a wonderful committee. Um, and I went back to it after eight weeks of being just with Arlo. We got a nanny. So, you know, they were in the house. I could still nurse him. Um, it felt like 
the best way I could imagine to continue my own life. That was my idea. I'm going to still have my own life here. <laughs> um, so I was very much still informed by capitalism and that and the isolation that comes with um, with producing, being a producer and um, making money and having identity wrapped up in that. And then he got old enough to go to preschool. It's like this one is a beautiful play space. There's no mix, but they still call it a school. And he went five days a week. And what ended up, I want to cry thinking about this time in our lives. Um, so this is my like, oh, moment of like, okay, this isn't working for us and we need to pivot. Um, Arlo would come home from preschool and scream for like an hour a day. <laughs> he very much imploded in that setting. So they didn't know that he was having a hard time, um, but I did. And then when he was three, my husband's from France. We went to France for the summer. And so he wasn't, um, he was just with us and he was in such a state, such a bad place that um, his grandfather, Grandpa Joe felt worried about having any knives around that he might actually stab his little sister. Like he was really um, volatile. He was really quick to scream, um, quick to punch and hit. And, um, and that felt normal to me for him. That felt like familiar. And gradually over those two months, it calmed way down and he wasn't screaming every day and he wasn't hitting every day. And um, I started to realize that he wasn't going to school. <laughs> so I brought that to my husband and I said, I think he can't go to school like that. I don't think it's working for him. So we got back and we were like, let's really change our lifestyle. Um, and it was a real, um, <laughs> people say, come to Jesus moment. Like what, what matters to us and how are we going to actually implement our value? Um, so my husband was also working full time and go down to part time. And for him, that was a huge reckoning. And he faced some sexism in his work. Like, why would you as the father, like turn down a wonderful full-time job and go down to part-time? And like, so people didn't understand his process and how a man would center his children. Um, that was eye-opening. And I decided, I went through a process with my work of trying to go down to part-time. And they were like, essentially kind of said, like, do what you can, like, as, as much work as you can, it's okay. And we started really prioritizing, well, what it was was getting to know him, right? So he was showing me that he could not um, handle the rigor of that schedule. And what it is for him is he is an extremely observant person. He's looking and hearing everything. And so taking all of that in, needs a lot of time to like integrate and process through and also time to like not be taking all that in. So I realized he needs a lot of downtime for every day of stimulus. He needs a day of being at home and doing maybe nothing or maybe something he wants to do. So that was when we kind of really turned a corner. Right. We touched briefly before when we were chatting on the idea of unschooling 
with younger children. I loved what you said at the beginning. It's so personal, isn't it? And uh, yeah, but living in, how did you describe it, Sarah? I'm living in collaboration um, and relationship with young people and adults. Right. Living in collaboration. Right. So it's a non-coercive way of living. It's um, it's really, um, yeah, and embracing them for kind of their whole selves, right? Yeah. And so we were talking about how it could be easy for someone to see how that would work with a 14-year-old, but less with a three-year-old, right? So maybe talk us yeah. through that. What does that mean for you with your much younger children? What does that look like in the home? I'd love to, yeah. Uh, first, I'd love to say that Of course, there's the word school and unschooling. And so it's easy to think of it as education or how people learn um, subjects. Um, And I I did enter thinking about it in terms of how my kids would would learn. But now it's very much a lens on relating and how how to de-school or shed the inlays from parents and society and lineage um, that prevent me from showing up authentically as my whole self and also respecting the whole selves of others, basically, and, and really, really getting close and relating. And so the rub, the practice, right? So it's, it's that I see my three-year-old as someone with valid thoughts and emotions. I see myself as someone with valid thoughts and emotions. And the practice, the, the friction is how do we stay close and do that when we have different thoughts and emotions in a given moment. So the recent example, she was very sick this month, sadly, um, and she's okay now. Three days ago, I could tell she was getting too tired to fight it off. Um, she had COVID and then she had another different terrible virus. So I um, talked to my friend who's a doctor of Tibetan medicine, and she gave me all these things to do, these protocols. And one of them was to make lemon ginger honey tea. And I did. And I put extra honey knowing that she doesn't like things spicy. And she just refused the tea. She wouldn't even try. (laughs) So what I did was I said, Talise, I really want you to drink this tea. I made it for you. I'm trying to help you get better. No. And I didn't listen to her no. And I took a little spoonful of the tea and I just put it on her lips and she wasn't having it. And she left and she went into her reading TP and that's her like place where she goes, where she's upset. And I was like, okay, I crossed the line. And this is someone who from the get-go has been totally respected as an autonomous individual. (laughs) So when that's transgressed, it's acute. They know their boundaries, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, all right, I fucked up. I shouldn't have done that. Um, the tea is important as her getting a say in what happens to her body. And um, I messed up. I, I let my idea of what getting her better looks like overrule like how she's actually doing in, in this moment. So I took a breath. I drank some tea mm. myself. I was like, this is actually really good tea. I wish you would drink it. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked to, the, to her, her little spot and I said, she was like, no, don't come toward me. And I was like, okay, I'm really sorry. I crossed the line. I shouldn't have put that in your mouth. You told me no. And, and I did it anyway. And I, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm really sorry. I'll listen to you next time. And she was like, you can read me a book. <laughs> okay, I'll read you a book. That you can connect with me again. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. I've talked about this in the podcast before, but that allowing them to feel into their boundaries, to their no, respecting that, their consent is so big, isn't it? And how easily society completely ignores children, how children feel and how what their boundaries are. And yet, if we want people to be adults who are able to give consent, to know their boundaries, to have healthy lives, it just seems to me that we need right from the beginning to be living in fully to that and what that means for us. Um, but I, oh, I know what I wanted to come back to, Sarah, was um, the idea of you showing up as your authentic whole self yeah, and your children showing up up to so for me it might have been different for you for me the journey has been me wanting the children to show up for their authentic selves for them to be whole and then for me to almost come back to myself and go oh hang on a minute there are these things in me that I am not okay with so for me the healing journey was really it began with the children then sort of came back to me was that a similar for you they did it did the two things go hand in hand absolutely yeah, I love this line of thought. Um, I think of it as tracking. I am tracking. My friend just gave me this language, keeping my children's minds in my mind. Um, so seeing things from their perspective and like a combination of anticipating what that perspective might be and then absolutely letting go of what I think their perspective is. <laughs> And genuinely being curious and present and seeing what is before me, which is often different than what I had thought. Um, but my journey of tracking myself um, began, well, I, I've been practicing meditation um, since 1999, so a good while. I did a three-year meditation retreat. And in that um, retreat span, aside from honing techniques of meditation, I ended up tracking the origin of a lot of my patterns or triggers. So yeah, I think that we all have those um, places in us where we didn't feel safe. We didn't feel seen. It felt like it wasn't okay to be how we were <laughs> fundamentally. And so I, I process that um, a lot also through co-counseling, um, getting to discharge. Like I, I'm all for therapy, but I personally love the physical, like it's not about thinking my way through something. It's about a physical release of a stuck emotion. So my parents, they're not living into their emotional lives. And um, I came in that way. And so the message that I got from them was that I am too much. I am too sensitive and uh, I'm feeling too many things. And so my healing with my um, children and my husband is to get to be myself and to have my feelings with them around me and that it's not a pathology. It's actually can be a gift. So I was telling you, like my son has auditory processing issues. Right. And I want to just say like, it isn't easy. Like um, when he feels overwhelmed from a sound like it can turn into violence like he can hit me or his sister or scream himself so it's not like lovely all the time but um can I just come in yes thank you for saying that because I think sometimes yeah. when we're describing 
the way the way we live, the way we respond to our children, the way the children are. It's important to say also that the children are who they are. And because I act like this, it doesn't mean that everything is harmonious all the time. Your child is still the person they are with lots of big feelings and so on. But um, and I think what you're describing there is quite is something quite common to anyone with a child who has particular sort of sensitivities around noise as well. We certainly have that in our home, that noise sensitivity issue, which can for that person become very overwhelming. That with age, it becomes very interesting with age. So yesterday, um, that child was finding it very difficult, and we were all watching the television, we were watching a program all together, and they suddenly said. Please, can we switch this off for five minutes? I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> and so we switched it off. And they said, I'm so sorry. It's just that I just feel like there's so much noise going on and I can't think. And so we all just sat there for a couple of minutes and the others were happy mm. to sit in silence. And we all sat in silence. And then they said, I'm okay now. And we all carried on again. <laughs> and it was it was quite lovely you know and and the others get it and they're able to express it but that Mm. comes from many years of of really all of us trying to find that how can they express that and how can they be held in that that's huge what a beautiful moment yeah yeah but it was a long yeah it was a long journey there so um so I think it's important to recognize those challenges as well that are inherent in this and I guess for a person who is listening who this is not something that they're doing yet. It might feel difficult You say, well, what do I do if a child's screaming, but I don't have those standard parenting techniques, you know, like the class, you know, the rewards and the consequences and the timeout. And what do you do when well, you hold that space? I think, don't you? Um, and that's where all your years of meditation, I have no doubt whatsoever, <laughs> come in very, very handy. Absolutely. I can't imagine parenting without having done a lot of meditation. (laughs) Um, Right, yeah. And I would respond, what do you do with, it depends. It depends on a given moment. Um, My new thing is at bedtime, if I've had a long day with them, and this month there have been a lot of long days, sometimes they try to keep my to keep my giving them attention by saying I'm scared and I can discern as a parent. So I, I really would love to talk about discernment. Mm, yeah. So as a parent of really young people, I'm talking three, four, two, one, five, we get to hold a lot of different um, approaches. And so one approach is to listen to their words and to take them at face value and believe what they're presenting to us. Another one (laughs) is to look into it Mm. and be curious. And he's saying he's okay to keep um, playing video games, but I'm watching his body crumple at the side of the couch. And as his mom, I've seen what too many new video games does to him. Do I want to step in here? Or do I want him to experience it on his own? Anyway, there's some discernment there. And so I can tell the difference between one of my children saying, I'm scared when they're scared. And I'm scared because can you just still be near me? And I I don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> and so I've started to be like, I hear you. I know that you're safe. I know you know how to feel safe because we've developed skills like 
Um, you can feel your shoulder on your bed. You can feel your head on your bed. You can feel your breath going in and out. You can look around and see that you're safe in your room. We have skills about if your mind is getting to be an unfriendly place, like how can you make it friendly and what do you want to think about? What do you want to see in your mind? What do you want to hear in your mind? Anyway, we do a lot of things. And because we've been doing it and I know they know it and I've been so tired, I've just been like, I know that you're safe. I know you know how to feel safe and I'm tired. So I'm going to lay here. You know that I'm here, but I, I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> and that's real for me. And that's new. Um, but that's not, that's, um, I actually was talking with a friend today, a good friend who's going through a similar thing with, with her children, where she's finding it hard to find that space between her saying, okay, I see you need a lot, but I need a little more space. Like that, it's almost like a constant dance, isn't it? That you are um, understanding where your boundary is and where your boundary really does need to be. And when you can give more, a lot more, which will be a lot of the time, and when you really do have to discern if it's okay to say, yeah, no, I can't do that. Because I think you can very easily go into that territory where you do something and you're annoyed that you're doing it. And, and who's that? Group? Yes, resentful. Resentful, right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not very good for anybody. And I think that we really have to um, model good boundaries. And I think it comes from, for me as a meditator, feeling comfortable with the human predicament. Mm. I am not going to parent my kids out of a human experience. And that is necessarily going to involve loneliness, pain, tragedy, mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as the beautiful things. And I'm clear about that. And I think the only thing I can really provide is a friend, mm-hmm. like, and I'll be here too, right? You're going to go through things, but I'll, I, we can do it together. That's the best case scenario. So there are moments where uh, my three-year-old is like, mommy, I need you to da-da-da. And I'm, it's 4 p.m. and I've been doing those things. And I'm, I don't have attention to do that anymore. And like you said, Esther, if I do it, I'm going to feel annoyed and resentful and nobody's going to enjoy that. So I think one thing that's been helpful for me is to actually see those moments where I say, um, no, I don't have attention for that. Literally, I say that to her. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying you're bad for wanting that. I'm not saying I'm bad for not doing it. I'm just saying this is the truth. Yeah. I don't have attention for that right now. And I th- sometimes think that's a gift for her that then she can she can sense into one, I wanted something and I didn't get it. What does that feel like? That's a skill. That's a skill to build. I think modern kids really lack that. I wanted mm. something and I didn't get it. How does that feel? I'm still okay. <laughs> then two, I actually can handle mm. this on my own. Like I'm capable. Yeah. Moments yeah. of space are important for everyone to feel into their like individual capacity as a person. And even if it's a simple thing of like, pick me up and my hips are saying like, if I pick you up right now, I'm going to go out of alignment and hurt myself. I don't want to. Even a simple thing of like, I'm not going to pick you up. That moment can, can bring that to both people. Mm. And you're also modeling for, you, for her that if someone says to her at some point in her life, hey, can you do this? And she can feel into the no and say, well, no, I can't. Absolutely. 
Um, but I wanted to share that, like, I just see a lot of um, quote unquote gentle parenting people or conscious parenting people really sacrificing their own well-being. And I, I would love to encourage everyone to like your kids are, are full people and it's so wonderful to um, honor that. And also, so are you <laughs> and you're important here too. And you have a life to live too. Yeah. Mm. And modeling that you can live that life alongside your children as well, I think is quite powerful um, because for a lot of people, a full life means I got to get out. I, you know, I've got to, yes. which it can be part of it. Of course it can, right? I need to go out. I want to see friends. I want to go out and work. There are many things that you will need beyond your family. Yeah. But to be full with them and to be your authentic self with them, I think makes being with each other so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, I personally find my three and five-year-olds to be some of my best friends. Like I love hanging out with them. And I think it's because I don't think of myself as someone who's filling their time or monitoring their activities or existence. Or I mean, I find, I just think of myself as sharing space with them, which is sort of different. And I'll admit that I think there is a time of parenting very, very young children, like zero to two or three. That is a pretty sacrificial time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not easy to really provide what they need without um, not being able to do other things. I love what you're saying there. It's very nuanced, but it's very important that there's this space between the traditional parenting and this sort of sacrificial, well, gentle parenting, I guess, or, or whatever taken to, let's say it's extreme, where the adult and the child are, are both worthy. They're not, um, there's not a power imbalance that can go on. But if you are able to live into that whole self living, it just is a, a very satisfying way to live. Often here when, when things are just, you know, they're older, but there's a sense sometimes of, yeah, sort of just sharing the space all together and it can feel very gentle and harmonious. Be a little joke and there'll be someone doing something, there'll be something interesting that someone mentions and it's just really a beautiful kind of inter interchange of um, ideas and thoughts that can happen. And yeah, no one's in charge of anybody's time. Certainly we help people. We're still parents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's still that kind of holding the space in that way. Yeah, I have a friend. Um, we just had a play date. So we went over to this person's house and the mom is lovely. I actually really enjoy her. And she was like monitoring highly what they were doing. And like, would you like to do this? Oh, no. Okay, how about this? And like, I'm not that. Okay, how about, and I was like, oh my goodness, like Talise is not going to be able to like relax in this. She's used to a lot of just like, hey, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, that uh, the whole thing about boredom and them finding activities to do, I think that's quite nuanced as well. That used to be a real trigger to me. If someone went, I'm bored. I would immediately feel like I was failing. Oh, boredom is a huge, wonderful, rich issue. Yeah, I was raised by a person who felt that busyness was uh, a good mode for a child to keep them on track. And as, oh my goodness, as a sort of an artist, I really needed a lot of space to daydream that I didn't get. Um, 
yeah, so I'm really a, a fan of, I like space. <laughs> and what I was going to mention about this play date is um, not only was Talese like, what's going on? This mom looked very tired. Like it's a tiring way of relating to someone, like to be a manager <laughs> instead of a peer. Yeah. I don't think I have that kind of energy. Oh God, me neither. To be constantly supervising what they're doing. It's based on, it looked like a lack of trust in her daughter, um, that her daughter would be able to decide what felt good in the moment and to do it. And So the lack of trust and then the trusting in your child. Um, I had a realization yesterday where one of my children was thinking of doing something, a specific course, it'd be quite a big deal. And it seemed like a really good idea. And then I asked them how they were feeling about that. And they said, oh, no, I've decided not to do it. And I, I sat with that for a moment and I could feel a little, a little sense of disappointment in me. And then I was able to let that go. And I realized that there's no point in me being attached to something they don't want to do. And so not being attached to the outcome of their choices is to me now at the age they have feeling like my next piece of work oh huge yeah like why would be I be attached to you doing something that you don't want to do that doesn't make any sense at all and how healing for yourself to to undo that for yourself like I don't have to do things I don't want to do yeah exactly yes it's right back to that kind of mirror back at yourself I thought oh this is interesting because I think a couple of years ago even I would have felt a oh dear heck they don't do that what will they do but years of watching them choose what they do has shown me that they always know themselves much better than I do I can give them information and I can I can even tell them my experiences which are quite limited of course um but they always make good choices and if they don't then they change and then they make a better choice you know so yeah what that brings up for me is um again about the the names from my older child. So this is our first year where his peers are going to conventional school because he's five. And so he's done a couple of like, they call them homeschool enrichment programs. Anyway, they're two different days on two different farms and they're outside and having like a nice day. <laughs> and he went into the programs as Zuma, which is a character from the Paw Patrol and changed his name to Jay, which is a character from Lego Ninjago. And so we showed up at this game school day and he was Jay, but there was a kid from his other place who knew him as Zuma. And I was like, wow, this is getting really confusing. <laughs> and I just said that to him. I was like, this is getting confusing. He's like, yeah. And then um, all those programs stopped for the winter. And so he's had absolutely no uh, groups that he's going to. And I had an idea that kids need other kids. And he is showing me this winter that he is actually really liking not doing anything, actually. And this is when he started to be like, you can call me Arlo. So fascinating. Like he finally feels relaxed. He's not being asked to do something or go somewhere with people. And now he's like, I can just be Arlo. Mm, wow. And that I was like, oh, you don't need kids? I guess, wow, I have to really let that go. 
I think that's a really big topic because, um, and I know a lot of people who end up not doing school, it's often been because their child has found school very difficult. And so often there are children that don't thrive in huge groups of children. And so I think there's that component to it. But um, I think children don't necessarily suddenly thrive in huge groups of peers. And I think every child is so different, like adults. You know, if I met an adult, which I might meet adults who don't have many friends, but they've got one or two that they like to see, but they don't like great big groups, I wouldn't think there was anything strange about that. But children, again, we expect that, you know, you expect your child, oh, they're going to go out and play football with all the other children, or, you know, they're just going to, you know, go along with everyone. And they, and, and I, certainly in here, we've got three very different people. Their social needs, requirements, desires are so different. And they've also evolved as time has gone on. So I think we make these assumptions again about children and what they all need and uh, what does that child need actually yeah and I one of the reasons is because it started to feel I was starting to put pressure on myself Mm. like I needed to be his social life and that felt like too much pressure and so I started to ask questions like why are you feeling that way he's not asking anything of me like he's not saying I need to be a certain way like this is an old story that you heard like I don't think this applies anymore oh that's interesting yeah yeah, I think that's and I think that's a pressure that a lot of parents feel. If my child doesn't go out to groups, then I have to be this fun playmate. Yeah, and even like it's almost his birthday, and I'm like, oh no, I have to get him all these toys because he's only at home playing with our. St-. And I was like, okay, sir, like you can also let that go. And mm. there's no um, just because he's home doesn't like he's actually happy at home how it is, not home the way I think it needs to be if he's home. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. And they're always evolving and changing as well, of course, you know. And again, I think there's that fear comes in. Here they are with no friends. What will happen if? Yes. Hey, let's not go there. Are they happy now? Yeah, oh, this is a very happy child. Well, it might be good to just be with that rather than absolutely project our fears onto them. We're running out of time, Sarah. Um, is there anything um, that you feel you'd like to share? Uh, any kind of advice that you might give or thoughts um, particularly perhaps for parents of younger children I would say um, being a parent of a younger child is really demanding and so um, I've had um, one co-counseling session a week for eight years (laughs) it took me through the pregnancies the births the young years and I, I don't know what I would do without it just a place to cry and also be frustrated and to say why the fuck did they do that and I am tired and I want a break and a place to let it out. Um, yeah, so I think I would say, honor that it's difficult and demanding and um, if you have even a half an hour to offload some of that stress a week, ideally more but um, it can do wonders to be able to see the beautiful side, which is like, they're just so full of wonder and curiosity and aliveness. Yeah. And so I guess I would echo just what you just said, Esther, that every child is different. And if your child is happy right now, just revel in that happiness and see them for who they are and get to know them. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been lovely chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a beautiful space you've created. Thank you.
Yeah, well, much love to your to your family, and um, I hope to chat again soon. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.